seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Thank you, New Hope Band. Awesome as always. A couple of quick things tonight. Um, be ready. We will be next door. Revelation chapter 16. We're going to go through verses 1 through 11. Um, actually contain the first five bull or vial judgments, depending on if you have the King James or New King James Bible. Uh, very interesting seeing the judgment of God. So if you want to come and learn and listen about the judgment of God, we will be over there next, next door to Fellowship Hall tonight at 6 p.m. Um, got a really neat video I'd like to show also and maybe see what you think of that. Um, also, I thought I noticed, I missed some of the announcements, um, but I thought I noticed we were passing around the clipboard to the ladies' Bible study, right? Or is that still floating around? I hope. Okay, Troy's got it there. Ironically, we had lots of ladies telling us how much they were excited over the ladies' Bible study and couldn't wait to go. Ironically, none of which those people were signed up for said Bible study. So, we thought we would pass around the clipboard and get some names on there. We, we got to do that stuff. I know it's a pain sometimes and you can easily forget stuff like that, but... We got to try to make some preparations, food, and so on and so forth, and where we're even going to have it. So that's why we kind of got to get as close to a figure as we can on that stuff. So, okay, we'll get to the Word of God. Um, I'll be honest with you this morning. I hope you can receive this this morning. Um, it, it is my job to seek the Lord, to pray, and go try and get a piece of His mind. Okay, whatever whatever His thoughts are and and that's, that's part of uh, the burden of my job. Sometimes it comes easy, sometimes not so easy. But I'm going to be honest with you, this past Tuesday I went to my office and I got down to pray and was saying, Lord, you know, what, what is your heart, what is on your mind? And I instantly got up and went to my computer and started working on this. So it didn't take very long for the Lord to send me in a direction and tell me to go start studying and start looking at some of these things. So, I hope you can receive this. So, I really like being around some of my Christian buddies. Um, I was actually able to have a pretty fun time last night with some Christian friends. There's nothing like good, godly friends in Christ. Amen? You know, there's that common unity, that common bond between us that can break age barriers and, and all that kind of stuff. If you have Christ in your heart, you're a family of God. You know, but the godly friendships can be very fulfilling relationships. It's, it's like no other relationship that, that the world has. There's nothing like it when you have a good godly friend and the friendships that can come out of that. Um, but I, I have a group of buddies that I've been friends with for a long time. Um, a lot of us have grown up together, gotten to know them and I, I really have grown to love some of these buddies and enjoy spending time with them. Um, here lately, we've been on a little kick. We try to get out and play uh, what's called disc golf. Um, you know, just been horsing around having some fun at that. Uh, last Monday, I was able to play some spot, come out of retirement and play some softball with some buddies and really enjoyed that. Enjoyed being around the, the New Hope softball team. Um, I have some plans coming up, you know, God permitting, that 
me and another buddy, we might do some fishing together if we can. Uh, this past winter, I was able to get a little group of buddies together and we play this goofy board game that we've kind of played over the years and we have a lot of fun with it. You know, sometimes in the wintertime, it's dark all the time. We, we try to get together and, and do something like that. You know, it's rare, but when we get to do it, I enjoy it very much. I like being around some of these brothers, you know, because I love them very much. Over the years, you get close with some of these people. A lot of us have been friends for a long time. And as time goes on, you get to know some of these people. You get to know them on a more personal level. And the more you get to know them, the more comfortable you get around them. I'm sure all of you have had a friend like that or a godly brother or a godly sister in Christ that you just are drawn to. You like to be around them. It's fun and enjoyable to do things with them. Now, you might not be like me. That's okay. You might not be like me in the way that you maintain your relationships or your friendships. But when I get comfortable with a good buddy we seem to tease each other. Okay, for some reason, when I get together with my group of buddies that I've been friends with for a long time, we like to chide each other, okay? We like to clown on each other. For example, you know, if, if a buddy of mine, if we're out playing golf, you know, swinging the golf clubs, and a, a buddy of mine hits a grounder or a duff or something, you can be sure he's going to get an insulting comment from me. Hey, nice shot there, buddy. That's real good. Just as if I hit a worm burner, you can be sure my buddy's going to say, hey, nice shot there, buddy. You've been taking some golf lessons lately or something like that. Playing softball. If a guy hits a dribbler back to the pitcher, you might hear someone say, hey, way to crush the ball, buddy. Hey, good rip, man. That was a nice, nice bomb. Play, playing disc golf, you know, it's kind of like this game where you throw this, it's almost like a frisbee type thing, and you try to make it in this basket. And we've been playing that. It sounds goofy, but we've been having a fun time doing that these last couple years whenever we can. Sometimes you, you throw one of those discs, and if it's on a hill or something, your disc can hit the hill and bounce up and flip on end. And then it starts rolling and rolling, and it can roll real far away. Well, when that happens, the gallery's back, ha, ha, ha. I'm just laughing as much as they can. Or maybe you throw your disc, it hits a tree and ricochets and goes into the creek or something. And we, well, you can be sure someone's going to come up with a smart comment. That's just kind of how me and my buddies are. Like I said, you may not be this way, and that's okay. But you can be sure the other group is laughing hysterically when that guy's disc goes rolling down a hill into the woods or something. There was a group of us that played basketball together for years and years and years we played hoops together sometimes we'd get together to play basketball and we'd have over 20 some guys come to play and you know we'd have four or five different teams and if you won you got to stay on the court and somebody had to get a team together and come beat you but if somebody blocked or swatted your shot you can be sure somebody was there going to have a comment ready for you. Get that stuff out of here or whatever, something like that. Now, some of you might think that's not very friendly. Maybe that's not a good way to maintain a friendship. Maybe some of you ladies are thinking, you know, you guys are a bunch of lunatics. But, but I can assure you that most fellas are not going to say, I love you, brother, and I encourage you next time to hit a better shot now let, us, now let us embrace in a hug. 
Not going to work that way. Does not work that way. Never has worked that way around me and my buddies. If my buddy said that to me after I hit a duff in golf, I'd be like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? <laughs> now we horse around with each other because we're buddies. And over the years, we've gotten close with each other. We have experiences with one another. There's many times, sometimes my, my group of buddies get together and we still laugh at things that happened years ago at, at plays that we made and plays that we failed at. We still clown around about stuff like that. But we get comfortable being around each other. And with the closeness in our friendship, us guys just, just gravitate towards horsing around with one another. Now, we clown around with each other because we've gotten closer over the years. But listen, there's a, there's a closeness amongst those friends that it kind of makes it okay to take a little jab at a buddy when he makes a bad play. Okay, now, now listen closely now. I, I wouldn't crack a joke on someone I didn't know. I, I wouldn't do that. They, you know, they might take offense. I don't know them very well. I don't know how they'll react. They, they could take it personally and be upset. So I wouldn't do that with someone I didn't know. But when you become close friends with someone, there are certain liberties that are acceptable because of the friendship. There are certain liberties that are acceptable because of the camaraderie. It is okay to, to clown on a buddy when he hits a bad shot or, or does whatever and, and messes something up. It's okay because of the closeness. Now, I say all this to make a very important point. You know, some of us have been saved for a long time. Many of us have been through many things with God. You know, you've prayed, you've spent time in prayer over the years, you've, gotten, you've drawn closer to God over the years, you've been coming to church for a long time, you've spent some time reading in your Bible. And with that, you must be careful because with that, there comes a level of comfort that we can fall into in our relationship with God where we afford ourselves certain liberties that ought not to be so. Amen. When you're saved a long time and, and you're doing this church thing for a long time, there are certain liberties that we afford ourselves. There are certain things we come, we, we find a level of comfort in church activities. We find a level of comfort because we've, we've done worship services a hundred times, a thousand times, and we find a certain comfort level in it. We've done Bible studies many times. Maybe you've been to thousands of Bible studies, and there's a level of comfort you can achieve because you've been around it so long. There's a level of comfort you can achieve with your church family. But here's what God said when I, when I got down to pray and was asking Him and I immediately got right back up because he, he told me this. I think today that God would remind us God is not one of our buddies that we can horse around with. Do you understand that? He's not, it's, it's okay with your buddies, but God is not one of the bros. God is not one of the gang. Oh, that's just a big G man, not just a man upstairs. He's okay. He understands. That's not how it is in your relationship with God. M much different. Everything that you heard me say about my friends, hey, nice shot there, buddy, <laughs> this and that, doesn't work that way with God. Does not work that way with God. And I think that God would remind us of who He actually is and how it works between us and Him. Okay? He's not one of the bros. He's not part of the gang. Oh, it's just God. He won't mind. That's not how it is. 
Brothers and sisters, we can't forget who God is. We can't forget who the Hebrew God of the Bible actually is. Okay, we can't forget his qualities. We can't forget his attributes. We cannot forget his characteristics. We can't forget who God is. And us church folks are good at that. We forget who God actually is. And he just becomes, hey, that's God. He understands. He, he knows my weaknesses. We've come to an agreement. We've come to an understanding. It's not that way with God. Listen, he is a holy God. God is an eternal God, meaning no beginning and no ending. We have to understand these things. Listen, God is immutable, meaning he does not change. God does not change. He is eternally immutable. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. There is nowhere where he isn't. God is everywhere. God is also omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. All-powerful. He is a holy God. Listen to Isaiah Chapter 45, verse 5. I may have read this to you a few months ago. I can't remember. Listen to this. And this is who God is. He says, I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. They that, may know from the right, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is none else. Listen to what else he says. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace and create evil, meaning calamity and disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Brothers and sisters, these scriptures are revealing to us who God is. He's not one of the gang. He's not one of the bros. He has created light. Do you understand that mankind, I like to say this a lot, I like it when mankind does not know things because there's so many things mankind does not know, they may try to explain it away and act like they know. Mankind has no idea what light is. We don't know what light is. We know it's something that lights the way and we can see things and we try to harness it and use it, but we don't know what in the world it is. And God says, I made that. That what you don't even know what it is, I made it. I made it, God says. God tells us, I'm God, I'm God alone, and there is none else. What that means is there stands God only and no one, no other deity, no other person, no entity, nothing can come up and stand beside God and be his equal. There is none that can do that. There was one that tried and he was casted down to the earth like a lightning bolt. There was one that tried to exalt himself above the throne of God. It didn't work out very good for him and it's not going to work out. It's going to be even worse for him here soon. There is no one else. There is no God beside me. All other deities and gods you can think of, they cannot come and stand and be his equal. They cannot come and look him eye to eye. He is a holy God and we can't forget that no matter how long we've been saved. No one can be God's equal. No one can even stand beside God. I, I just think that God wants us to refocus on who he actually is now, how do we know who God actually is? The Bible tells us who God actually is. The Bible reveals to us who God actually is. Now, in our human minds, we do not have the ability to fully comprehend God. We don't. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll be able to comprehend Him at least more clearly. I know that. But here on this earth, we can't wrap our minds completely around God, but we can learn some things about Him. Listen, Moses learned real quick about God. Moses learned real quick who God was. And listen to what 
It says in Exodus chapter 3, we'll start reading in verse 2. And if you remember, Moses was called by God. And we all remember from Sunday school, the, the burning bush. The Lord spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. Listen, Moses, listen as I read these scriptures to who God is. God is not who I think he is, who you think he is. God is who the Bible says he is. Exodus chapter 3 verse 2 says this. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Listen now, this is who God is. He says, And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place wherein thou stand is holy ground. Look at verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. That's who God is. He ain't one of the bros. Oh, that's just the big G, man. How The G-O-D, how's it hanging, Lord? What's cracking, Lord? What's shaking, Lord? That's not how it is when you talk about God. No, 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 no. This is who God is. This is the God of the Bible that appeared in this burning bush. And Moses is like, uh, there's a burning bush over there. I don't know what in the world's going on, but I'm going to turn and look and see what it is. And, and the Lord actually says, draw not nigh hither, meaning stay away. And, and then he actually says, also, Moses, take your shoes off. Because the ground that you stand is holy ground. Now, it was just a desert. That's where he was. It was a desert. It wasn't anything special. It was just sand. It, it wasn't holy ground. Until God appeared there, that's what made it holy ground. That's the reason why he had to remove his shoes off his feet. Because when God is around, it becomes holy ground. We, we, here's, who, here's what else God is. Moses is there and he wants to turn to see this thing. The Lord says, stay away, don't come close. He also says, take your shoes off. And then it actually says, Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. That's the God that we serve. He's not to be messed with. He's not one of the bros. He's not one of the gangs. He's not my buddy or my pal that we clown around with. No, Moses was afraid. He hid himself when he, once he found out, that's God. That's God. I am even looking at him. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. And he hid his face for he was afraid to look on God. Moses didn't say, what's up, bro? It's the G-O-D. No, 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 no. He was afraid, fearful, and hid his face. From this mighty sight that he saw. He wouldn't even look. He didn't say, it's the man upstairs. How's it going? None of that. He wouldn't even look. That's who God is. Amen. He is to be feared. He is infinitely powerful. Amen. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He is a person, but he's not a man. Now, I don't want to confuse this, confuse anyone, but try to follow along with me. God has no creator. God is the uncreated creator. Can you follow that? He is the uncreated creator. Listen to this. God is uncaused. God is the uncaused cause of everything. Do you get that? He is the uncaused cause of everything. Listen to this. In, in Exodus, 
when God was giving the law. I've preached about this before. You should be familiar with this before. When, when God gave His law, His Ten Commandments, okay, up on Mount Sinai, and He called Moses up, the Lord was, there was no Bible before all this, and God was going to speak His law, this, this set of rules for His people. He calls Moses up onto Mount Sinai, and, and Moses was the unfortunate one that had to go up there. Listen, the, the, as I read these again, this will describe to us attributes of the same God we serve. Not, not who we think He is or, or conjecture. This is who He is. Let's listen. And it came to pass, Exodus chapter 19 verse 16 says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Verse 17 says, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. Verse 19 says, And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by a voice. This is who God is now. Listen, verse 20 says, And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto the Moses, Go back down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. This is who God is. This is how powerful the God that we serve is. This is actually who the God of the Bible is. This is giving us a glimpse into the power and the enormity of the God of the Bible. There's this mountain, and the Bible describes it as the entire mountain was smoking because God descended down onto it because he wanted to speak his law and give the law to his people. And the thing looked like a big giant furnace, like it was on fire and it was smoking. And the, the, the Lord, Moses brings the people closer and the Lord says, Moses, come up. And I, and I like it because it, it says, and Moses went up and God immediately says, Moses, go back down. So as soon as he comes up there, he says, Moses, go back down and tell the people, don't try to come up here and just get a sneak peek of me. Lest they come and they look just out of curiosity or for whatever reason, we want to see what this God looks like. I want to see him. I want to see what, hey, hey, Johnny, let's run up there and see what God looks like. The Lord warns and says, charge the people, lest they break through into the Lord to gaze at him and many of them perish. This is the power and the enormity of God. If you just want to say, ooh, I want to see what he looks like. I'm going to, I'm going to try. Moses went up there. He's okay. He did it. I'm going to go up there. God said, warn him, Moses, because if I see any people coming up here to look on me just to, out of curiosity or want to get a sneak peek of me and my glory, it ain't going to go well for them. That's the power of God. The, the whole mountain appeared to be on fire because it actually said God descends in fire. Whatever... Whatever happened there is enormous power. God descends to the top of that mountain and go, immediately says, Moses, go warn those people. Because if they get curious, 
it's going to be curtains for any curiosity onlookers. Listen, God is not some billowy figure with a big white beard and flowing locks floating around on a cloud. Whatever you see in Hollywood's portrayal of Him. That's not who God is. I am reading to you who God is. We just read earlier that when He appeared in the burning bush, Moses was scared and hid himself and said, I'm not even going to look at this bush. This is who God is. Listen, then barely a chapter later, God had given the Ten Commandments and, and Moses had the Ten Commandments and Moses comes down and he reads the Ten Commandments to the people. And just the second he finishes that Tenth Commandment, and remember the Tenth Commandment? Thou shalt not covet. Good, somebody said it. That's the Tenth Commandment. Just as soon as he says thou shalt not covet, we're going to start reading in there. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And remember, this, this is who God is. And all the people saw the thunderings, just after the reading of the law. And all the people saw the thunderings, and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Do you see who God is here? They come down, Moses rehearses these Ten Commandments. He finishes them up. And then the people, you remember, they're near the mountain, the nether part of the mountain. So they're kind of near Mount Sinai where God is. It's smoking. It's on fire. The, the, Moses reads those Ten Commandments. And then the people hear them. And then they look up at Mount Sinai and they see it on fire. They see thunders. They see lightnings. And, and, and it says they remove themselves, meaning they see this giant big mountain in front of them. And they're like, eh, I'm going over here now. I'm going to go ahead and stand back here. That's the power of God. He's not one of the bros, or one of the gang, or one of the homies, or we can crack jokes with him. He understands. No, no big deal. I know I messed up. It ain't no big deal. Why are you making a big deal out of it? God is a big deal. He is a big deal. I might suggest there is no bigger deal than God. He's a big deal. The people see him, and they removed and stood far off, the Bible says. Meaning they look up at this Hebrew God of theirs and they're like, eh, I'm getting out of here because whoever that is, I don't want to cross paths with him. Th- then they actually take it a step further and they say, uh, Moses, whoever that is, you go talk to him. And then whatever he says to you, you can come talk to us and you tell us. We don't want to go talk to this deity, this being because we're afraid of him. We're, look at this mountain. It looks like it's on fire. There's thunders, lightnings. Moses, you go see what he wants. You go see what he has to say. And then you come tell us. We'll listen to you. The thing is, we're, we're not supposed to be afraid of God. We should have a healthy fear of God. But it's not a fear where we're too afraid to approach him. And I think Moses clears that up. And he says to the people, fear not. For God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces. Why? That ye sin not. 
That, that's the, the level of... That's why I started talking out about my buddies this morning. Because around your buddies, you let your hair down a little bit. You crack some jokes, and, and that's okay. You have a good time. You horse around with one another. But we cannot forget the power of God, of who it is. We can be dismissive of Christians and act like our, our offenses... You know the Bible calls sin offenses? You know why they're called offenses? Because they're offensive to God. That, that's what sins are. They're offenses. They're trespasses. What is it when you trespass on someone's property? It means you go somewhere you shouldn't go. That's what a sin is to God. It is a trespass against Him. And when we, when we sin and we commit sins and we become worldlyized or secularized and we let that stuff creep in, we get dismissed. It's just God. I've known Him for a long time. No big deal. Brothers and sisters, I am describing to you today who the Bible says that God is. God is unimaginably powerful. We, we can't even imagine how powerful God is. And some of us have some tremendous imaginations. But these people, they say, Moses, you go talk to him. We ain't going to talk. You go talk to him and then you let us know what he wants. Moses tells them, don't be afraid, but that God wanted to test them. Why? So that they might be that they may f have a healthy fear of God so that they may sin not. Listen now, God's commandments aren't suggestions. His laws aren't up for debate. His precepts are not negotiable. He, he is not looking for your opinion. Amen. You know how many times I have made errors even in my prayer where we, we sit down to pray and we offer God our opinion? Lord, if, if you could just make this happen, God, it would be, it'd be great. I like, uh, I think it was Dr. David Jeremiah. We did a study of his a while back. And it may have been in that study or, or maybe I heard it somewhere else where he, he said uh, the way that he prays, and I kind of like this, the way that he prays is when he begins to pray, he first starts out. He doesn't come to God asking for all these things. And it's not bad to ask God for things. But he doesn't come to God and start immediately asking. He comes to God and he starts to worship him first. Worship the Lord. Let him know your adoration for him. Let him know how much you love him. Let him know how holy he is and how worthy he is. And then you may petition the Lord. I think we forget who God is. We forget. He is God. And we should all remember that. We should all have a healthy fear of who we serve. It is a big deal. Why? So that we may sin not. God is not one of our bros. Sometimes this week, if you get a chance, read, read chapter Leviticus 8, 9, and 10. Now, if you remember the book of Leviticus, it has that word Levite, Levite, Leviticus. It, it's a whole bunch of rules and laws and procedures for the Levites. If you remember, out of all the tribes of Israel, the Levites were the ones to uh, do the priestly duties. It was, it was their job to do all the priestly duties, all the tabernacle duties and ceremonies. The Levites did it. In Leviticus chapter 8, 9, and 10, it gives a lot of specific instructions on how to make offerings to God. Okay, Moses had to consecrate Aaron. We all remember who Aaron was, and Aaron had all of his sons. They were Levites. So Moses consecrated them. It, it explains how Moses consecrated them, kind of why there's a consecration. 
so that Moses, or Aaron and his sons can carry out all these offerings. They were commanded to do things in a very specific order, very orderly, because that's how God is. God's very orderly. They had to wear special clothing. They had to do a certain rituals in a certain order. And then they had to do the sacrifice exactly the way God wanted it done. Here's the way I wanted it done. Here it is. Do it this way. And Moses teaches Aaron and his sons to do it that way. Then you come to Leviticus chapter 10 verse 1. And listen. It says this. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. These two sons of Aaron, for, for whatever reason, I, I don't know if they were curious, or maybe they were like, hey, man, inside there's the Holy of Holies. Hey, let's go in there and take a look at God. Let's go in there and see what God looks like. And we can tell everyone we saw God. Maybe they went there out of curiosity's sake, or maybe they didn't think that the instructions were that serious. Maybe, I don't know what reason why, but they take these sensors, they put fire, they were not supposed to do it that way. That might not even been the right time to do it. Whatever it was, they do that, and they go in there, and they try to take themselves a look at God. What happens to them? They went out of fire from the Lord and devoured them. This is the God that we are dismissive of. It's just God. He, he understands. No big deal. Brothers and sisters, I am reading this. If you want to argue against me, you had better come with scriptures because that's all I'm using this morning is scriptures. You don't mess with God. Amen. The Bible tells us to be not deceived. God is not mocked. You, you don't just stick your head into the holy place, the most holy place, the holy of holies, and say, I'm going to take me a look-see at God. I want to see what everyone's talking about. It, it, God zapped those two. He zapped them. Bam, they're gone. Remember Uzzah? Anyone remember Uzzah? We won't read it, but when they were transporting the, the Ark of the Covenant, and that, that Ark of the Covenant was a representation of God and His testimony to His people. They were transporting it on a cart being pulled by oxen. And it hit a pothole or whatever it was and it shifted. And the, the Ark of the Covenant shifted a little bit. And Uzzah, he had good intentions. He, he went to stop the Ark and he grabbed hold of it. Zap! Instantaneously gone. Even though he had good intentions... There was a divine commandment from a holy God, don't do it this way. And it zapped Uzzah, and he's gone. Now, lest anyone want to argue with me this morning, I will say this to clear the air. A lot of the scriptures I read to you this morning are more in what I would call the, the dispensation of the law age. Okay? If you've heard some teachings uh, from Chad Martin, he has done some teachings on dispensationalism. Dispensations are, God kind of speaks through history to mankind in different ways, in different dispensations, if you will. 
Now, this was the law dispensation. Now, I even said when God gave the law. Mount Sinai is when he gives the law to his people. So this is the law dispensation, okay? He speaks different ways through the ages. So he speaks to us in more of what we would consider a, a church dispensation age or the dispensation of grace. We, we are in that period right now. There was a dispensation when Christ was here. It was his dispensation to, to minister to the Jews. That was that time period. And after that, we're kind of in a, a church age now, a church dispensation. Don't get too confused on all this stuff. It's an it's a age of grace. But make no mistake, the God of the New Testament, which we don't really see him zapping a whole awful, there are a couple examples actually, but we don't see him zapping people like Uzzah and, and stuff like that and consuming people with fire. We don't see that too much in the New Testament. So people think, eh, he ain't going to zap, no big deal. See, he, he used to be like that, but he's not like that anymore. Make no mistake, the God of the New Testament is the same exact God of the Old Testament. It's the same exact God. The same exact God that makes mountains smoke. is The same exact God that makes mountains look like they're on fire with thunderings and lightning. It's the same God. He is the same exact God. It's that God that has spoke fire out and consumed people for screwing things up and doing things that he said not to do. It's the same God. He, they are one and the same so many of us get dismissive of God and we think, oh, you know, he, he doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. It's the same God that Moses ran from and hid his face and was afraid to look upon. It is the same God. But for now, because of the church age and the dispensation that we're in, he is patiently waiting for the last harvest. He is patiently waiting for sin to come to fruition. Perfect fruition. He has given us the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. He has given us the word of God to follow. And he has given us free will to choose what we're going to do. And we are in that age of grace right now. Listen, listen to this. 2 Peter 3 verse 3. I, I think this clears it up. And this connects the Old Testament God with the New Testament God. Just in case you think God has gotten soft and, and he's not going to exact any wrath on anyone. He doesn't do that anymore. 2 Peter 3, 3 says this. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, the fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those guys, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, what's the big deal? For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Talking about the flood, the old world, the flood, it perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, that's the, the, where we are now, by the same word, what word? The word of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. See, what God is doing is he is patiently waiting. He has given us his son Jesus. 
He has extended his mercy to us. He has extended his grace to us. He's not zapping people if they they screw up. You can go ahead and blaspheme God if you want to and most likely nothing's going to happen to you. You can go ahead and say he doesn't exist. You can go ahead and do this, take his name in vain all you want and most likely he's not going to zap you on the spot. But the Bible's saying... It's by His Word alone that is keeping things the way that they are right now. And He has reserved it unto fire. In other words, He's sitting back and He's patient and He's saying, I'm extending you my grace. I'm extending you my mercy. I'm, you are in that period right now. I will not exact revenge or I will not exact my wrath on you. But there's coming a day when I will unleash it all and He is... the. the the whole world is reserved unto fire. I, I, I always chuckle. Bruce has preached. And he, you know, years ago, if you notice, they don't call it global warming anymore. They actually call it climate change. They don't like the term global warming anymore because they had a hard time proving it was true. But I always laughed how Bruce used to say he, he does believe in global warming. I do too. It's going to get real hot down here, brothers and sisters, one day. Real hot. That always made me laugh when he said that. Because it's the truth. God is patiently waiting. He has extended all this mercy and grace. He's given us Christ. He's given us His Word. He's waiting to see what we're going to do with it, with our free will, our choices. But He's saying, don't be mistaken, I'm still God of the Old Testament. I have reserved all this unto fire. You want to sin? You want to be unrepentant? You want to be unregenerated? I'm going to execute some stuff just like I did in the Old Testament on this world, which now is kept by the Word of God. In other words, it is only because He hasn't spoken it yet. This whole place ain't burnt up. Do we have a little bit of a hum? Is that just me that can hear that? There's a, a bit of a hum. I do have to come to the pulpit, and it seems to hum a little when I come close, maybe. Scoffers. Scoffers can curse God now and not get zapped. They can blaspheme, do their thing. You know, mankind can try and undo everything that God has constructed. They, they can try and undo the family unit and say, well, no, you, you don't need to do a family that way. You don't need a mom. You don't need a dad. You don't need, no, you don't need any of that stuff to have a, a, a family. God, God is the one that instituted the family. You, you can try and undo marriage. You, you can try and undo uh, sexuality. You can try and undo gender. You can try and say, no, it's not what he said it is. It's what we say. You can try and undo all that stuff, and God will patiently say, go ahead. Go ahead. But I am warning you this morning, he's one and the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The one that people were afraid of and hid themselves from, that's still him. It's still him. We're just in this grace period right now. Brothers and sisters, he's the same God of the Old Testament. He is just patiently waiting for the last final harvest. He's just patiently waiting for the unrepentant sinners to make him mad enough. And I, I can't but think it's got to be close. There is no way he can be happy with our nation. There is no way he can be happy with what we're doing. No way. No way. The Old Testament and the New Testament God is still extending His mercy to any who would receive it. Now, I'll bring this to a close soon. <clears throat> a couple more scriptures, and then we'll, 
move forward. Second Peter chapter three verse nine says this. It says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is what God wants. He wants all of us to be saved. He's willing for everyone, anyone, anywhere. That's his heart. It's not to destroy people. His heart is to save people. Listen to the next verse though. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That's a perfect representation of what I'm trying to say today. God wants to save everybody. He's willing to save everybody. He's extending His mercy. He's extending His grace to us, to everyone in the world, every human, every man, woman, and child. But then the very next verse says, He wants that, but He's going to come like a thief in the night. And when He does, it says, The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. In other words, everything down here is going to burn. It's all going to burn. So we have God's willingness to save, but we also see that Old Testament God that's saying, look, I'm going to execute my wrath. I'm going to execute my justice. Real quickly, you remember, remember Jonah? Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah in the whale, Jonah in the great fish. Jonah ran from the commandment of the Lord and the Bible says God raised up a storm, raised up a wind and it was going to snap that ship in half. And the men are afraid. They find Jonah sleeping and they say, get up, man, come on. And actually the Bible, if you read it, it's in Jonah chapter 1 says that all the men on the ship pray and make sacrifices unto their gods, lowercase g's. So whatever pagan gods they believed in, they were praying to them. and God, help us, God, this, God, that, whatever gods they served. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And Jonah confesses the Hebrew God. I believe, I fear the Hebrew God, he says. Well, they try to throw things overboard. They try to row to the land, and it just is not working. So they're like, we're sorry, Jonah, but here's what we got to do. Jonah chapter 1, verse 15 says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Do you see? This is who God is. Jonah disobeyed. They're like, man, we're sorry, Jonah. We've tried everything, but you're going overboard, pal. They wing him overboard. As soon as they do, everything ceases, and it goes back to calm, and all these Dudes that were previously praying to pagan gods that were making these oblations to other gods, lowercase g. And the Bible says they feared the Lord exceedingly. And then they started making sacrifices unto the Lord and they made vows. In other words, they were like, after what I just seen, he's the God. He's the Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Brothers and sisters, this is who God is. He is not one of the bros. He's not, it's not someone to joke around with. New Hope Band, if you can make your ways, make, make your way back up here, please. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. He is God. He's God. Real quickly, Isaiah caught a glimpse of God. And listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah 6, verse 5. 
Isaiah catches this glimpse of God and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people up with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw him and said, Oh, woe is me, I'm undone. No, I can't look. I'm, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Job caught a little glimpse of God and said this, he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. When Jonah saw him, or when Job saw him, that's what he said. He said, I abhor myself, meaning I can't stand myself. I'm so fleshly and sinful. And he repents in dust and ashes when he catches a little glimpse of God, when he hears a little bit of God. He didn't say, what's up, bro? How's it going, God? Hey, man, I've been wanting to see what you look like, God. No, he said, I abhor myself. Isaiah said, woe is me for I'm undone. Listen, John the Reveler, we're learning about his book, Revelations, on Sunday nights. He kind of catches a little vision of Christ. And he describes him this way. Revelations chapter 19 verse 11 says this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. I aim to be one of them, church, don't you? The, the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, listen to the description of who he is. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Listen, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Can we all stand, church? That is who God is. That's who He is. He's worthy to be feared. He's worthy to be obeyed. He's worthy of our reverence. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our glory. And He is worthy of our praise. That's who God is. Don't forget that this morning. Amen.